This is Crime Connections, and we're your hosts. I'm Jackie. And I'm Sarah. Today we will be discussing a case that was brought to us by one of our sponsors, Iron Bean. Spencer, what are you drinking? I'm drinking only the best coffee in the Midwest. Can you tell me a little bit more? Yes, the best coffee in the Midwest is from Iron Bean Coffee Company. They are a premium small batch, roast to order, veteran owned coffee company. They roast their coffee daily to ensure the highest quality product. Depending on your order time, most orders ship the same day that they're purchased. And with this process, Iron Bean Coffee Company delivers the freshest and finest coffees in America. And Crime Connections featured coffee flavor is Stay Awake. It's murderously caffeinated. Now let's get into it. On Sunday, January 30th, 2011, Lisa Straub and Johnny Clark were house-sitting for Lisa's parents in Holland, Ohio. The Straubs were on a cruise for their 25th wedding anniversary. Earlier in the day, Lisa and Johnny spoke to some of their friends and planned on having them over that night to play some pool. Johnny had planned to pick up some of their friends, Tiffany and Zach, to bring them back to the house to play some pool. At 10.41 p.m., Johnny and Tiffany were on the phone together. Tiffany stated that while on the phone, he had told her he was about to head out to pick her up. Then he ended the phone call. Tiffany calls Johnny back to tell him she's going to the store so he could wait a minute before heading out. Johnny answers and Tiffany hears Johnny saying, Bro, what are you doing three times in a row? And then he said, Who the hell are you? Johnny told her, I'll call you back, Tiff. Then the phone goes dead. Tiffany attempts to call both Johnny and Lisa multiple times and text them with no answer. Tiffany convinced Zach that they should drive out and they arrived at the Straub house at about 12.30 a.m. Tiffany and Zach ring the doorbell and after getting no response, she called the girlfriend of Clark's best friend to reach out to Johnny's mom. At 1.03 a.m., two hours after Johnny's initial call to Tiffany, the girlfriend gets a hold of Johnny's mom. But Tiffany said that she did not call the police because she knew Johnny and Lisa had drugs in the house. At 1.21 a.m., Johnny's mom calls 911 to report what happened. Hello? Toledo 911. Ma'am, my heart is beating out of my chest. I just got a call from one of my son's friends. Okay. Her phone number, I have it right here. She just picked my husband up to... My son and his girlfriend live out at 2161 Lawn Acre Lane. Mm Mm-hmm. I believe that's Holland. This girl says she was on the phone with my son and his girlfriend and he was supposed to go pick her up. He was telling her he was going out the door and all she heard was the phone drop and heard my son saying in the background, who are you? What do you want? What are you doing here? And she said she just drove by the house and the house looks ransacked. All the lights are on. My son's not answering and neither is the girlfriend. Okay, you said it was 2161 Lawn Acre? Yes, Lane. Oh my gosh. Um, I got heart problems and my heart's beating out of my chest right now. All right, I understand. Do you know if, if that's all one word or is it two separate? It's No, it's separate words. Lawn Acre. Yes, Long, Long. L-O-N-G, Acre, A-C-R-E, Lane. Oh my gosh. Is she still there? No, she just came by here to pick up my husband my son's dad and I'm here with the other two younger kids. All right, what is your name? My name is Maite Vasquez Clark. Oh my God. I have the girl's phone number that he was talking to that heard all this going on in the background. 
Okay. Her parents, she my said... Son's girl, okay. My girlfriend's, uh, my son's girlfriend's parents are out of town. They left for uh, Puerto Rico two days ago. I don't know how to calm myself down. My heart's beating okay. out of my chest. Okay, what did, what did your son tell her? My son was like, hey, Tiff, we're on our way out the door. We're coming to get you. And then all she hears is the phone drop and my son Johnny saying, who are you? What do you want? What are you doing here? Who are you? And no more, no more answers. That's all she hears. And then she says that she starts getting worried because neither of them are answering the phone. And she goes out there by the house and she sees all the lights are on and the cabinets look ransacked. Okay, but you don't have any idea where your son's at? He was there at the house with his girlfriend. That's where they're house-sitting for her parents. Okay, but, but she doesn't... He wasn't there when she went over no, there? No, no. She rang the doorbell and nobody came to the door, nothing. Oh, my God, ma'am, I'm so afraid something happened bad. Oh, my God. Okay, oh. what's your son's name? John S. Clark. Clark is with an E at the end. Is he white or Hispanic? He's white and uh, Hispanic. He looks more white than anything. How old is he? He's 21. Date of birth is 4 And the girlfriend is... Okay, is somebody going to meet us over there? Uh, yeah, my husband's on his way there right now. And the trio reached the Straub house just after 1 a.m. Instead of pulling into the Straub's driveway, Tiffany turned and drove off because numerous police and sheriff cars were already there. During the trial testimony, it revealed one or more of the trio had warrants out for their arrest. So they were just afraid to go to the house, I guess? Yeah, they didn't want to get arrested. Which then, they would. People who get arrested at like their family members' funerals. So yeah. if you have an open warrant, they can arrest you at yeah, any time. Yeah, so they were just a little nervous. Yeah. After the police had left, Tiffany, Zach, and Mr. Clark returned to the Straub house. They knocked on the door, but no one answered. At 1.20 a.m., Sheriff deputies arrived at the house to find no probable cause to enter the home. The exterior doors are locked and the windows are undamaged. The blinds are shut, making it so you cannot see into the house. The sheriffs stay for about 11 minutes and then leave. Everyone was talking around the house. Everyone was looking in, trying to get them to answer the door. Detective Sperry said, There was no probable cause to kick the door in. There was no probable cause to believe that there was something wrong inside that home. At 2.06 a.m., sheriff deputies arrived for a second time because Johnny's mother calls 911 again. Listen, ma'am, I am a concerned mother. My son was at 2161 Long Acre Lane with his girlfriend, house-sitting. Lisa Straub lives there because her parents went to Puerto Rico two days ago. I get a phone call about a half an hour ago from his friend, Sharita, that some girl named Tiffany called her saying that Johnny and Lisa were supposed to pick her up at 11 o'clock and she was on the phone with Johnny, my son, when he was walking out of his house, his girlfriend's house with his girlfriend to come get her and supposedly she heard a guy in the background screaming at my son and my son saying, what do you want, who are you, get away from us and what have you. Okay, four cop cars were already out at this residence they're not there, and her car is in the driveway. I want to know where my son's at. Okay. I want to know where my son and his girlfriend are at. I want to know if they got abducted by whoever tried 
to assault them and rob them. And it's pretty funny that this girl named Tiffany, which is there right now by the residence, waits two hours to call somebody and report this. Okay. Well, like I said, we were out there. There was nothing going on there. Okay. Where is my son and his girlfriend and her purse in the driveway? Uh, how would I know that, ma'am? I need to report my son missing. Okay. Um, where are you at? I'm coming up to the residence right now. Well, which which residence? Uh, Lisa's house. Okay. I need an address. 2161 Long Acre okay. Lane. And what's your name? My name is Maite Vasquez Clark. This is the street, I think, Mama. Long Acre, this is it. This is it. Okay, I'm with my cousins right now that's in the military. Okay. What's your phone number? My phone number is I want this girl's plate number before we go anywhere so I can give it to the sheriff on the phone. And they're back pulling in the driveway. I want this plate number. Ma'am, I'm going to give you this plate number, okay? Mm -hmm. That this girl's car is driving. I'm going to stay calm. I am. Will you stay on the phone with me, ma'am, while I talk to this girl? Okay, who are you going to talk to? Ask, okay, listen, here's the plate number. That is the girl's, uh, the plate number of the car that this girl is driving that my son was supposed to supposedly pick up. Now, these two people right here, um, that's Johnny's phone. Oh, I don't know. It's my parents probably. Call them back. Oh, my God, ma'am. Okay, is it, what kind of vehicle is it? Um, Mom, what kind of vehicle is that you're driving? What is it? A Corolla? I have a feeling you set up my son. My son is missing. He's nowhere to be found. Do you want to tell the police what you just got done telling me on the phone? Okay, come here. Ma'am, I'm going to let you talk to her because I have her blocked in uh, Lisa's house driveway. Okay? Okay. Here. You tell them what you do. I will. Hello? Okay, what's, what's going on? Okay, um, my friend Johnny and Lisa, they were supposed to come pick me up, me and um, my friend from our house, and this was like 11 o'clock, and um, he, um, I was on the phone with his girlfriend Lisa, and then he hung up, and um, we all hung up, he said they were on their way, and then he, I called Johnny right back because I was going to tell him that um, I was going to run to the store and then I, was, I would meet them at the house. Well, um, he was yelling at somebody like, um, I'm on, he goes, he goes bro, who, who are you? And then um, I, I called, he called him right back and he didn't answer. So I texted my friend Lisa's phone and I was like, um, where are you? Are you guys okay? And they have not answered to me or nothing. They have not answered the phone. And I've been calling and calling and calling. So I drove out to their house after um, my friend's mom got home and um, nobody answered the door. So I drove back by our house to see if maybe they went to his mom's house. And um, he wasn't there. So his dad called my phone and I was like, do you want to ride out there? And he said, yeah. And I brought him out here. And now his mom's arguing with me saying I set him up. And, you know, they're my friends, and I'm worried about them. And I don't have, you know, I'm worried about my friends because they were supposed to come pick me up, and they never showed up. Okay, does anyone have 
What's, what's the son's name? What's her son's name? Is Johnny, is that his name? Yeah, Johnny Clark. Does anyone have, have his phone number? Yeah, I do, but his phone shut off. Okay. Um, gee, and we was calling, and it was ringing, and then it was shut off all of a sudden. And then I was calling my friend's phone, and I've been texting her, asking her if she's okay, are they okay, because they wasn't answering. And then I texted her, like, last I talked to you, um, I heard him arguing, and then now all of a sudden they haven't picked up the phone or nothing. Okay. Are you out? Are there, is there a couple officers? Where are you guys yeah, there's some. Yeah, there's some officers out here. Okay. Why don't you go talk to them and they can help you, okay? Okay. I'll put his mother back on the phone. Okay. Actually, I don't need to talk to her. She okay. Just talk to the officers. Okay. Okay? All right. All right. Bye-bye. The second call comes from outside the Straub's house where Johnny's mother, father, cousin, Zach and Tiffany are walking around the house trying to see into the home. Two cars responded and checked over the house and found nothing out of the ordinary. They refused to kick the door in but remained on the scene for 36 minutes. A police officer took Johnny's father aside and said something along the lines of, we can't legally break into the home but we're going to leave for a few minutes and when we come back, you know, he was indicating like, hey, we're going to leave for a few minutes so wink wink. Break you the want window, to break it in, the door do down. it. Yeah. At 3.50 a.m., Johnny's father lifted Johnny's cousin up to the window on the back side of the home. The cousin was able to see part of a person on the floor and what looked like a cell phone on the body. After Johnny's cousin sees the body on the floor through the window, Johnny's father breaks in the door and discovers the scene. The mother places her third call to 911, demanding the police and EMS to come to the house immediately. God. Oh my God! You need to get the police out to Long Acre Lane. My son is in the basement, tied up of this house. I just saw him through the window. I the police now here earlier and did absolutely nothing. Both cell phones are on the ground and we can see the people. Him and his girlfriend are tied up in the basement. Okay. All right. We'll get them out there. Get them. Cops out here! I told them earlier, and they okay, were listening to me. You need to calm down. We'll get them out there. This but yelling at me is they're unconscious. They're unconscious, ma'am. Oh, okay. You said they're unconscious. Yes. Okay. All right. With cell phones on their body. With cell phones on their body. She only has pants on, okay. and the hands are tied. Okay. All right. We'll get them out there, ma'am. Oh my God. Okay. I need you to oh calm God. down. We'll get him out there, okay? Oh my God, please hurry. All right, we will. Long Acre. Okay, I have the Long Acre Lane. I have the address. We'll get him out there. Goodbye. During one of the mother's 911 calls, she says to Tiffany that all the lights in the house are on and that it looks ransacked, specifically saying the cabinets were ransacked. There is no direct quote from Tiffany saying this or audio of her saying this, so it should be taken with a grain of salt. So wait, it didn't look like anyone was home when they originally went there? Yeah, but then Tiffany apparently drove, kept driving by and said that it looked ransacked, but you couldn't even see inside the house. That's what the mother said to the 911 operator. When you when you listen to it, you'll hear it. Okay. But there's no like direct quote from her saying that, so I don't want to say that's a fact, that she actually said that. Okay, okay, okay. Because I think the mother was trying to indicate, like, Tiffany knows something more than what she's leading on. Okay. 
Johnny's father runs into the home and sees his son and girlfriend was bound with tape and plastic bags were placed over their heads. The bodies were found in the kitchen slash dining room area of the home with no visible gunshot wounds or stab wounds. Johnny's dad ripped both bags off their heads and prepared to do CPR, but as he lifted Johnny's neck, it was stiff as a board, so he saw that there was no point. At 6.46 a.m., the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Identification and Investigation, Special Agent Biderston, I could be pronouncing that wrong, so I'm sorry if I am, arrived on the scene to assist the Lucas County Sheriff's Department. The one thing that was obvious to investigators was that whoever the attackers were, they were looking for something very specific. The contents from the cabinets and drawers were pulled out and dumped on the floor. Lisa's purse was emptied. The mattress in the master bedroom was pushed off the box spring. Clothes from the walk-in closet were pulled out and dumped onto the floor. A dresser that was in a closet was overturned, and then the panel behind it leading into the attic space was opened. Multiple things that a typical burglar would take were left behind, such as pieces of jewelry, Iraqi currency, computers, and a TV. Okay. There were rumors going around that Johnny had talked about a safe with $100,000 being in the home at a party that had happened the week prior. Which is so stupid. So stupid. But according to the Straubs, there was no major amount of money in the house. The only money that they had known about was the $40 they left for the couple to order pizza. A big difference. Oh, yeah. Lisa's bedroom door was damaged, making the detectives believe that she had barricaded herself in the room before an attacker broke the door open to get to her. Uh, Despite the recent snow, there were no footprints around the home. And with no footprints, the detectives believe that the attackers came in through the garage door, which leads right into the kitchen. The garage door opener was found in the snow by the exterior garage door. Mm -hmm. And really quick, I'd like to say, I'm going to say exterior garage door and interior garage door. And by that, I mean there's the door that leads into the home, which is the interior door. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other door that leads outside. Like the little side door, and then there's like the garage door part. Right. Well, like, so you know when you go to the garage, there's typically a door that leads outside. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a normal Screen door. Screen door and things. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, And then there's the one that leads into the home. Yes. So the one that leads into the home is the interior. The one that leads to the outside is the exterior. Not the actual garage door that opens for your car. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I just wanted to explain it because it's, it's confusing, confusing when you read it. Yeah. yeah. Knives were also found outside in the snow by the exterior garage door. Which I thought was a little weird. Yeah, because they didn't get stabbed. No. So why did they throw knives outside? That doesn't even make sense. As the detectives went inside, they noted that there was damage to the interior garage door. The deadbolt plate had showed some slight bowing, such as like someone pushing it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the detectives believe that Johnny likely saw the killers as he and Lisa were leaving to pick up Tiffany and Zach to bring back to the house. And that's when Johnny tried to run back into the house and he pressed his weight against the door, which would create the bowing. The exterior temperature outside was 27 degrees, while the interior of the home was set to 69 degrees, which is really cold. So they were probably trying to, like, usually you want to turn the heat up to, like, ruin evidence. Yeah, so, but they did not do that. So maybe they didn't want the neighbors to smell something? Or Yeah, I don't know. Because if they had any idea that her parents were out of town, if they would, like, make it, like, 
so that it was cooler in the house, plus it's cold outside. Maybe they were like trying to slow the process so the neighbors wouldn't smell something. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's weird. I don't. Yeah, or, or maybe it was just that way because the wind from outside, if they left the door open for a long period of time. Yeah, I don't know. That's maybe weird. It doesn't even make sense. When the detectives made it into the home, this is what they found. The TV in the living room was on, the living room lamp on an end table was on, the kitchen ceiling fan above the table was on, the upstairs hallway light was on, and then the basement light above the pool table was on. Stepping into the dining room under the table, Lisa was wearing a black TGIF shirt with black pants. Her shirt was pulled up exposing her stomach. Lisa was facing up with her back on the carpet. Her head was resting on the left side. She was bound at the wrist behind her back with black duct tape. There was a white grocery bag covering her head that was secured around her neck with black duct tape. A pair of black pants with a pink inner band was under her head and neck. There was also a key under her body that belonged to the security system. She was already showing signs of rigor mortis with blood pooling under the skin of her back. Johnny was wearing a gray hooded sweatshirt with a gray t-shirt, gray sweatpants, and white socks. His sweatshirt was pulled up exposing his stomach. A black wallet, later to be identified as Johnny's wallet, laid on his bare stomach. Johnny was facing upward with his back on the carpet. He was bound at the wrist with black duct tape behind his back. There was a white grocery bag covering his head that was secured around his neck with black duct tape. Uh, Johnny's face laid upward facing Lisa. He also showed rigor mortis with blood pooling under the skin on his back. They both showed signs of strangulation. The medical examiner later testified that the tape of the bags could have killed them within minutes. But I do know Lisa showed blunt force trauma to her head prior to her being strangled. So she, when she probably tried to barricade herself, she must have like been hit or fell or something. Or maybe they were trying to knock her out. Or There also were rumors that the killers were trying to threaten Johnny. Okay. And like hitting so her. So maybe, yeah, so maybe they were trying to hurt her and get him to confess to, to do whatever. whatever. Yeah. Both their clothing was riding up on their bodies while the lower halves were pulled slightly down, making it look as though they were dragged across the floor and staged in the kitchen. The strobe home alarm system was off. The detective is unsure who turned it off, but he did testify that the key found under Lisa's body was a key to the alarm system control box, which was located in the basement of the strobe house. A folder with the security alarm documents were scattered about the west end of the kitchen table. A vent slash register was removed from the vertical underside of the step in the kitchen, which I think that's really interesting because it that makes me wonder if some they were hiding something in there. The the family in the vent, yeah, or even Johnny and Lisa. I mean, because that's a real like. Why would that be removed? I mean, if you were a parent and. You don't know your kids use drugs. Would you hide it in a vent, maybe? In a little plastic bag, tape it up? Or even money. Yeah. And maybe 
whoever knew them knew that's where they would hide stuff. Yeah, because that's just a very specific. specific. No one checks that. No. If I'm going to go rob a house, the last thing I'm doing is checking someone's vents. The vents. Like in a I mean, maybe the walls. Maybe the ones on the walls, people like undo them and like screw them back into the wall. But on the floor? No. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. The corner curio cabinet in the dining room had both doors in an open position. Near the door to the patio, there was a broken LG phone that was found on the floor with its battery close by. The number plate to the phone was by the fireplace, so it was kind of scattered. And then there was a torn picture of Lisa and Johnny that was found in the sunroom. A cell phone back panel was found on the floor by the stove in the kitchen. Uh, Marijuana seeds were collected from the floor near the counter in the kitchen. A scale was taken into evidence that was found on the counter in the kitchen. And there were knives from the kitchen found in different places throughout the house. A green glass bottle with coins was found in the doorway of the kitchen and dining room, matching a green bottle that was found in Lisa's closet. So it was brought downstairs for whatever reason. Mm Mm-hmm. Bags were stored in the garage, and they were ripped open. A piece of one of the ripped bags was found in an upstairs bedroom. Jeff, which is Lisa's dad, later testified that he did not own duct tape, indicating that the duct tape was brought by the killers. The kitchen area and the upstairs bedrooms were the main areas that intruders slash murders disturbed. Other than that, the home was undisturbed. It was remarkable how clean the scene was, Attorney Johnny Phoebus said, Usually you have blood, fingerprints, things like that. This method of killing rocked the community. It was just not heard of. You know, it sounds like a movie with the bags around their heads and everything. So it just was shocking. Well, in Holland, when we've talked about other cases in the area, it's kind of like there's like Sylvania, Holland, and parts of Mommy that are Mm -hmm. like... You don't expect those things to go on. They're very nice areas, good communities, very... A lot of it's like a very family-oriented environments. Yeah. so... Definitely a shocker. Absolutely. And no one can even remember seeing such a horrific homicide in the Northwest Ohio, even in Toledo. There's a lot of homicides, but not... But not, like, specific, like, seems like they were prepared when they went yes, there. Yes, not like this. That specific of an MO, we have not had any cases like that the current captain at the time was quoted saying multiple people involved in the cases said that the viciousness of the crime caused them to look at the cartel the ms-13 and the mexican street gangs what is ms-13 i have no idea i'm assuming probably a gang i didn't know i had that here assume captain matt lutic Sorry if I'm saying that wrong. I honestly don't know. Um, he was also quoted saying, I remember I was sergeant in field operations and in charge of block watches. We normally have 10, 20 people show up to a block watch meeting. At this time, we'd have 80 to 90 show up and people standing outside. Several sets of unknown DNA were found on the duct tape around the neck and Johnny's ankles and also in the pocket of Johnny's sweats. A cigarette butt was found near the door leading from the garage. Deputy Frank Reedy was the first officer who responded to the scene. He was the one who found it and remarked that it was odd that there was no ash or smell of smoke in the house. But that cigarette had two sets of DNA that hit on existing samples in CODIS. So CODIS is Combined DNA Index System, which we talked about in the flight attendant case, if you've listened to that. And it was developed in the United States through 
other countries that have similar databases as a central location for law enforcement to compare DNA profiles of individuals who have been convicted of a certain class of crimes. So anyone in the United States, anyone in the world, if that DNA is in CODIS, it will match back. Yes. With two hits, the police had their first suspects, but also they had a lot of unknown DNA. So they had a lot of other possible suspects that they just didn't know about. Mm-hmm. A friend of Johnny's who received close attention was Anthony Watson. Johnny was talking to a family friend at 10.40 p.m., so just before the call from Tiffany, and told him, according to Clark's family member, that he was waiting for Watson to stop by. In an initial interview in March, Anthony Watson told police that the men were planning to meet up, but when it got too late into the night, he told Johnny that he had to get up early for school in the morning and that he would just not be able to. In November, Watson was brought from the county jail after being arrested on a felony burglary charge to meet again with the detectives. He told them about a conversation that he had had weeks before with a woman that placed herself at the Straub house. He then also mentioned a man, Sam Williams. Anthony was quoted saying, Johnny C. Sam saw, pushed them back inside, and when it all went bad. He told the detectives. Okay, so that's the most weird quote, quote ever. But what it sounds like from that is Johnny's going outside getting ready to get in the car, leaving the garage, and then he sees Sam and whoever Sam was with, mm-hmm. and then they tried to push them back inside, and that's when that bowing of the door, he's trying to push the door shut, and yeah. then everything all went to, like, hell once they got inside. Yeah. Anthony also claimed that the woman told him there was a man named Dro and a second woman. He said they were looking for a safe that was rumored to be in the house. Okay. Watson expressed fear for his family's safety after naming multiple people. He was never called to testify in the trials of the individuals that he named. There is no paperwork on it because of his cooperation with detectives, but Watson's felony count was lowered to a minor misdemeanor, to which he pleaded guilty and received probation. Mm -hmm. On September 19th of 2018, an unknown person gunned down Watson outside his apartment, and the murder still is unsolved. Okay, so he name drops, and then all of a sudden he's murdered. And they didn't take him seriously. Like, why would they have not given him protection, especially after... He mentioned that he was nervous. Yeah. And helping you out. Like, he was there for you, and then you... Too bad, so sad. Well, he probably was... He name-dropped because he wanted to get out of the other charge. Yeah, which is fine. And maybe the officers just didn't take him seriously because they're like, wait a minute, maybe you're just saying this to get out of something. Yeah. But the fact that they lowered his charge means to me that they did take something that he said seriously. He must have said something that was specific enough that they were like, okay, well, he just named that there's four individuals at that house. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's, it's sad... I mean, he didn't, you know, yeah, I don't know. He I'll tried to help, and then all of a sudden, he's, he's murdered. Dead. And it's still unsolved, so. Um, and that's all we have for you today. So join us next week for our part two of the Lisa and Johnny case. Bye, guys. Bye.